Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and my co-host here... I'm Jason Harris. I am a filmmaker, I am a comedian, and I am a professional latke chef. <laughs> you're, you're maybe not a professional, but you do make some good latkes. I made some good latkes. I can make the latkes. Dave, you make the latkes? I've made latkes before, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How are they? Making out pretty good. Oh, there you go. A little, a little bunchy. You like them soft, or you you like them with the crispiness? I like them I like crispy. Some crispiness, crisp, not, yeah. not not burnt. I of course can't eat them anymore, but that's another. Story. Yeah, because oh, he's all right. you know a model now. Yeah. <laughs> Here, hi, other other latke question: sour cream or applesauce? I'm definitely sour cream. Both. That's the right answer. Oh. Trick question. Yeah, and even worse, I put ketchup on them sometimes, like they're French fries. It's it's a potato. I can yeah. understand that. So. so why are we talking about latkes? Because this is a special holiday episode of Awesome Movie Year. We are in between seasons two and three, and looking at some holiday movies. And for this episode, we're looking ahead to our upcoming season on the films of 1989 with National Lampoon's Christmas Hanukkah Vacation. vacation. Yeah. Thank you. No Hanukkah. I guess we didn't we didn't find any Hanukkah movies to talk about. Not from the years that we've already covered. There are a very small number of Hanukkah movies, but lots of Christmas movies, including National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is just a really fun movie. Hey, man, it's going to be in theaters like literally as we're talking. They put it in theaters, I think, every year right now. Yeah, it is a beloved kind of perennial movie to revisit at the holidays. Even more so than the movie we just talked about on our last episode, The Ref, which is kind of more of a cult holiday movie still. This is one that really is for the masses. This is one for the whole family to sit down and enjoy for the most part. I uh, was watching it with my six-year-old, and uh, we got through about half of it where I was like, "Eh, maybe shut it off now because it gets a little racy yeah. in places but she did you know for the most part it was fair for a six-year-old to watch yeah it's definitely less racy i think at least than the first vacation movie um, yeah the first two i'd say yeah so and it was also a, a pretty decent size hit at the time that it was released in 1989 it grossed 71.3 million dollars on a budget of 25 million and it was the highest grossing vacation movie until the 2015 vacation sort of reboot remake. And of course, inflation is really the right. reason for I w- that. I w- is, it, is that the reason? I mean, I didn't do the math because as we've established, that's not something we do here. Yeah. But I'm sure that it's a large part of the reason because that 2015 movie was not a big hit. Right. So I'm confused about that. But just in sheer numbers, it would have made more. Good. Um, because making that amount is not No one's putting that thing back for- in the theaters. No, definitely not. Um, And an interesting thing to me was that, and I think this speaks to the way that this is more of just a a movie that people go see with the family for Christmas and less something that was like, we have to see right away that it didn't hit number one at the box office until it's third week of release. Yeah. So it built over time. Stay there for two weeks, weeks three and four, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Um, And it's grown even more in reputation uh, since it was released, because at the time it got mixed or even maybe mixed to negative reviews, especially compared to the earlier vacation movies. Uh, it currently has a 65% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which, uh, as, as I've said multiple times, it's hard to trust Rotten Tomatoes on movies that came out before Rotten Tomatoes existed. Um, but that's a, that's a relatively low rating. It did get a B plus 
from CinemaScore, the audience polling service. So people who saw it mostly liked it. And it got two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. Bah humbug They to were them. not fans of it. Roger Ebert said, There are long stretches in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when it almost works. The movie is curious in how close it comes to delivering on its material. Sequence after sequence seems to contain all the necessary material to be well on the way toward a payoff, and then it somehow doesn't work. You have the odd sensation watching the movie that it's straining to get off the ground, but simply doesn't have the juice. Mm. And it's essentially the same thing that he said uh, on, on the show. Yeah. Talking about it with Paul Siskel. But what if Jack Nicholson was talking about it? No, no, no. <laughs> stop. Don't. I don't agree with this one. Yeah, no, I don't agree with him either. I like this movie quite a bit. But it was interesting to see, especially because it's so beloved now and it seems like almost universally liked that there was a lot of negativity about it when it came out. Yeah, and you would think, I mean, I know we're going to get into it. I, I thought uh, this is a very good representation of what John Hughes does well, you know? Um, and I would think that critically they would have given him a, a little uh, a little leeway because he did those John Hughes things in this movie. And that's yeah. what I would have thought. But I was only, uh, I wasn't even a teenager at the time. I was no. a young, just a young lad. <laughs> I too was a young lad when this movie came out. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think it's also a good representation of what Chevy Chase can do. But I think maybe at the time, like there was a lot of criticism of, of it being just kind of, Chevy Chase going through the motions. I think maybe at the time he was a little oversaturated in pop culture and people didn't appreciate his talents as much. I don't think he went through the motions. I thought he, you know. No, I didn't either. Again, I think this is one of his best performances, honestly. But I'm just saying at the time, I think people were maybe a little sick of him. Hmm. Rita Kempley in the Washington Post said, as the unsinkable Clark Griswold of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase survives a holiday season that would try Job's patience. He dreams of, quote, the most fun-filled, old-fashioned family Christmas ever, soon give way to the realities of bulbs that won't light and a pine that's too big for the living room. Never mind. Clark's faith in family tradition is Rockwellian, his spirits up there with the mistletoe. When the Yule log smolders and the turkey explodes, this avowed family man counts his blessing such as they are. And I think that's a big thing about this movie is that Clark Griswold is so dedicated to this vision of his perfect family right and uh you know as we know from the first one and you got to get to wally world we got to relive these memories this is we got to have that perfect christmas at the house yeah i think there's kind of a poignancy to that especially in this movie in in clark griswold's determination to make his family his messed up angry family into this perfect vision of of old-fashioned americana or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he has a little more patience with uh, people because of that. I, I would say other family members who visit him. Yes, he does. Uh, Janet Maslin in the New York Times was not a fan. She said, fatigue is in the air. This third look at the quintessentially middle American Griswold family led by Clark and the very patient Ellen, played by Beverly D'Angelo, is only a weary shadow of the original National Lampoon's vacation, which found a lot to laugh at as it followed the dopey pederfamilias Clark and his quarrelsome brood on a hellish cross-country journey in their station wagon. The new film does little more than reintroduce these familiar characters with new actors playing the children who would otherwise be college age by now and let them get on one another's nerves in earnest. 
So I think there was, yeah, again, it was the fatigue with Chevy Chase and and the fatigue with what people saw as kind of a formula for this series. I, I didn't like the word pedophilias. You don't like pedophilias? <laughs> Come on. It's a good word. Yeah. Latin? What do you have against Latin? <laughs> so many things, Josh. <laughs> but it's the holidays, so I don't really want to get into it. You're not going to air your grievances with Latin? Oh, a Festivus episode. Maybe I'll I'll challenge Latin to some feats of strength. Yeah. No. No. No, I mean, I don't agree, but I... It was actually tougher to find positive reviews of this movie than it was. That's amazing because it's it's beloved, man. Again, it is unlike the film Beloved, which is not <laughs> beloved. Uh, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was Richard Richard Lacraveness who wrote uh, the ref wrote I, that I, as well. You know, uh, I was wondering how are you going to make that <laughs> reference relevant? <laughs> but I did in our little holiday bundle here. But uh, yeah, it's strange how. Um, Certain things over time become just, uh, you know, they catch their moment when when it's a, appropriate, even if it's when it's not released, I guess. Yeah. And I think this movie, I mean, for me personally, I think this is my favorite of the vacation movies. But even in general, I think this movie has certainly far overshadowed European vacation in terms of people's interest. It may be not the original film. But it's certainly second to that one, if anything. Yeah, I like uh, I like European Vacation, and of course we all like the first one. Yeah, it's after this one that the series takes a real tumble. Yeah, I haven't seen European Vacation in a long time, but certainly, and we'll talk about it more later. But certainly after this, uh, it went way downhill. Um, so as we established, we were we were children when this movie came out. Did you see this at the time? You know when I saw this for the first time? When this week? Oh my god! I had never seen it. Before prepping for this, and that is the Christmas miracle of this <laughs> podcast, that now I can say I've seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, and it was a worthwhile experience. Totally. Yeah. I totally was. I don't think, I don't recall seeing this like in the theater or anything, but this is a movie that, again, I think part of why it built the reputation that it was on TV all the time. And it's one of those movies that I don't remember the first time I saw it because I probably saw bits and pieces of it over and over again over a period of years before sitting down deliberately to watch it from beginning to end. But um, I, I did a whole series on Christmas movies on my blog several years ago, and I remember coming back to this movie and not having really watched it since, uh, since I was younger and seeing it in bits and pieces and wondering if it would hold up and really liking it at the time. And really appreciating the like craft of it, and I think I felt that way too. It's it's a good movie. Can we uh, can we read that still? Is that yeah. Still oh yeah. It's a, if you go to joshbellhateseverything.com, search for Christmas in July. It was in July uh, a number of years ago, but I did write about a whole bunch of Christmas movies, including this one. It's super enjoyable, Dave. What do you think? When was the first time you saw it? I do not remember at all. I definitely know I haven't seen it since, you know, when I was a little kid. I mean, mm. it, it's been forever. I, yeah. But I do remember loving it. Like, I loved all these movies, even the later ones. Really? I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I was a kid. I was a kid at the but... time, you know. All right. So, that's what no what did I know? Yeah, you know? nothing, clearly. Yeah. At all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any other background? Uh, you said you did a lot of research on this one. Did Jason. a lot of research, Josh. Uh, well, like we said, John Hughes, you know, right? Um, who had uh, was not going to write another one of these because, as you alluded to, he said it had just become like a Chevy Chase vehicle as opposed to a full fledged story. But he found a uh, old story that he wrote for National Lampoon magazine 
which is pretty cool that he he thought if he could find a good story, he would do it. Um, and that was uh, what was that Christmas Christmas 59. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was cool. And like the regular vacation, the first one is based on another one of his stories. So that's good. I think it's interesting that we go from, uh, you know, Harold Ramis and Amy Heckerling directing the directing the first two to uh, Jeremiah S. Chechik. Yeah, there was a lot of criticism of old Jeremiah S. Chechik in the reviews that I looked up. Really? I thought, I mean, he was able, he was capable, but... Uh... Yeah, I think he does a fine job here. I, I do think that that some of the direction is maybe the weaker part of this movie. This was his first feature. He'd come from TV commercials, and he has rather undistinguished career following this film. Benny and June. Yeah, I, I've never seen Benny and June. Diabolique. Actually. Yeah, so. a remake of Diabolique. No, and a lot yeah. of uh, TV stuff. Yeah, yeah. But this was, I think at the time, because of what you just said, because of Harold Ramis and Amy Heckerling having directed the previous ones, and because of John Hughes's involvement, people maybe were expecting some great talent to be associated with this movie, and it wasn't. Well, there almost was. Uh, this script was originally given to Christopher Columbus, and after he met with Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus, the director. Well, you call him Chris. <laughs> Everyone calls him Chris for obvious reasons. <laughs> Why well, is there another person with the same name? I mean, not who directs movies. Oh, okay. Um, well, look, Chris Columbus was out there exploring his way through cinema, and uh, he met with Chevy Chase and told John Hughes something along the lines of, "I know I need to work." but there's no way I could work with this guy. Yeah. And that's, I feel like a thing that a lot of people have probably said about Chevy Chase. Yeah. But that, but so they gave him home alone, another John Hughes film. Yeah. And another beloved holiday classic. And I love that movie still to this day. Yeah. I, 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 I like home alone. Um, in no certain ways. We'll, we'll talk about it someday. Yeah. I hope so. Um, yeah. I mean, again, we got a lot of nice character actors in here. Um, and, uh, it is, it is, perplexing how jeremiah s chechik ended up with this job you would think there would have been at least a few kind of up and coming right from director. chris columbus all the way down to jeremiah chechik right who else was in the running and how did this happen i don't know do you know no i don't that's no, why right. I, but i would like to it's <laughs> yeah it like i mean maybe no one maybe it went right from chris columbus and and i mean because chechik came from uh tv commercial background maybe he was a hot commodity at the time or maybe they were just like you know get on the John Hughes Express and he'll, you know, Spielberg your way through the, through this thing. You right. Know? As we know, uh, in, in certain movies, uh, if Spielberg's producing, he can have a heavy hand in directing those. Movies. Right. And we don't know how, how heavily involved John Hughes was, you know, kind of on set or things like that. We don't, this movie. we don't, but, but they definitely has his stamp. And I think people think of this more as a John Hughes movie and, and this whole series more, or at least these first three, as John Hughes movies more so than even their directors. I mean, we got, I mean, maybe we talk about that now. Maybe we talk about that later, but he's the best. He's just the best John Hughes. Yeah. Well, we can talk further on John Hughes when we get to the legacy here. Okay. So I'll, I'll reserve my feelings, but, but spoiler alert. I think he's really good. All right. And I won't disagree with that. So uh, we'll come back then and talk some of our general thoughts on Christmas vacation. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our second special holiday episode, we're giving a bit of a preview of our upcoming season on the films of 1989 by talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, a movie we both really enjoyed. Yeah, really liked it. And uh, as you said, you had watched pieces, if not the whole thing, throughout 
your youth. Yes. Your long gone youth. Uh, <laughs> you're tattered and. Yeah, thank really, you. We're, uh, we're recording this on my 40th birthday, so I wow. appreciate you uh, making me feel decrepit. I would say it's all downhill from here, but it's, it's been, been going it's, downhill. Yeah, it's been going downhill for a long time. Thank Happy you. birthday. Thank you. Um, but, and, and me, I just saw it for the first time this past week, and we both uh, found much enjoyment out of it. Yeah, so. I think so. And like I was saying, I think, you know, it's one thing as a kid, as, as Dave was saying, too loving these kinds of movies as a kid, you're very uh, maybe uncritical about certain aspects of them. But coming to this movie as an adult, not only did I still find it funny, but the craftsmanship in this movie, especially Chevy Chase in this movie and some of the physical comedy he does is just brilliant. He's very, he's always been great at that. And you know, what I, what I think we all like about it is like, it fits within the scheme of what's going on as opposed to like, it's not, it's not, overly broad it's just big enough for what's what's happening there and i also think the way he delivers certain lines sarcastically is uh very good where you know uh he tells the neighbor you know like the neighbor's like oh where are you gonna put that tree and he goes bend over and i'll show you and he goes you can't talk to me like that and his wife's standing right next to him and he goes i, I wasn't yeah i mean it's there's lowbrow humor and again a lot of slapstick which i think was a lot of what the criticism was at the time and I am not, as as I'm sure we've talked about, a fan of this kind of, of like physical comedy at all, generally. Uh, Jim Carrey and who we've talked about Well, before. that's a much bigger, broader... Right. Thing. I think this movie works really well on that level. And there's a lot of sort of subtle moments. I love the, the scene where Clark and Ellen are in bed reading and, and Clark has been covered in tree sap from their ridiculous... Christmas tree that they went and got and his fingers are constantly sticking to the pages of the magazine he's trying to read. And then they stick to Ellen's hair and it's Chevy Chase is great at underplaying that. And it's yeah. such a funny scene. And it's nice that they don't say like, Oh, you still have tree sap on your, you know, hands. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that is a great moment. And weirdly one little gesture I remember is when, when he's, when Clark is putting up Christmas lights on the, on the house. And he of course, falls because that's what he does and he grabs onto the ladder yeah. and he's got he's trying to 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 get a hold on it and he's got his hand and he just kind of like keeps moving his hand right. around like he can't grab it was just such a it, i can't convey it verbally but it was just such a funny little bit and it it's not in the way you would go to grab a ladder right it doesn't really he goes like through and under <laughs> it and whatnot so i agree with you funny stuff all the way through and uh you know, they're, I guess they're all there just to kind of support Clark, but uh, the old people are, are nice in there too, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, one criticism that I read is that the, the in-law characters, the Clark's parents and Ellen's parents, they, they kind of build them up before they arrive as like, Oh, they're going to bicker and it's going to be terrible. And they really don't differentiate those characters right. all that much. They're just kind of generic they sit on the couch and nap and whatever. I mean, we have much broader family members in Cousin Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, who returns from the original vacation. Yeah, he's so... Uh, and he's just so beloved in this series. Like, I'm not a huge Cousin Eddie guy, but uh, people love Cousin Eddie. Yeah, I mean, I think Cousin Eddie is used well here, um, as opposed to maybe in other vacation movies. I mean, in the first movie, I think it, it's good too. but. I was surprised watching this. I didn't remember how long it takes for cousin Eddie to actually get there. Right. They don't spring him on you right away. So I, I felt like 
He is a very broad character. Maybe a little of him goes a long way, but I didn't get sick of him watching this. Maybe one. one day we could review National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation too. Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. I was actually looking after watching this. I had thought if that was, if it was streaming somewhere that it was easily accessible, I might try to watch it. And I, I did not. That would have been awesome if you did. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that in all the vacation movies, the kids are played by different actors in each one. Yeah. This is probably the strongest pairing where you have uh, Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki in Galecki's first movie. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, and you know, they played lovers on uh, the Connors. So they that's did. Weird. They so. did. Yes. Many years later. Um, yeah. Certainly this is the pairing of the kids with actors who went on to become the most famous. Yeah. But most people probably love the Anthony Michael Hall, Dana Barron pairing from the original. Yeah. And I mean, I do think Johnny Galecki and Juliette Lewis are, are good actors i don't necessarily think that this is like the best showcase for the kids they get kind of lost because we have so many wacky relatives who continue showing up at the house i think that's kind of necessary not for them to get lost but that we need to keep bringing in more and more relatives because this is you know we're gonna have a big old-fashioned christmas here yeah i'm not criticizing uh i don't necessarily i I wasn't watching this movie thinking boy i want to see more of rusty and audrey (laughs) um (laughs) I think there there was just enough of them. Um, and they they serve almost more to like get the plot moving at times. You know, if 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 Clark needs a sounding board or something, then Rusty is there. Right. Or if uh, Ellen needs to say, go tell your father something, then then one of the kids can do it. Um, I don't think that was bad. I think in the original vacation, it's a lot more about the bonding between Clark and the kids and how yeah. much he wants to share his own childhood experience of Wally World with them. And this movie is less about that. Right. But at least we had the Wally World mugs for them to drink out of their when they had eggnog in this film. Yeah, I thought that was a a nice little touch. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and Beverly D'Angelo, who's a very good actress, you know, it's interesting also because she does she gets to do a little here, but she has a lot of talent and you get to see that in a lot of other movies. And you wonder if like we could have given her a little more here. Yeah, I think so. She gets stuck as the, the sort of long-suffering wife she's the voice of reason when clark goes and does something ridiculous she has to rein him in and i think the kids serve that purpose too here is that it is really about clark and and you can see the criticisms that that critics made and that also obviously john hughes made that these movies became just this big chevy chase showcase and i don't mind that necessarily about this movie maybe a show chase or not no no okay yeah Oh, well, I tried. You did. I, uh, you know what I did miss? Yeah. Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> no, see, I was going to mention the underrated theme song to this movie. It's good. It's good. It's sung by Mavis Staples. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a clear takeoff of all the Darlene Love uh, Christmas songs. You know, I, and I love Darlene Love and I like Mavis Staples too. But hey, man, when you think vacation... The song's called Holiday Road. Come on, bro. Yeah, but they're not on the road in this movie. But it is a holiday. Yeah, but I guess uh, one background detail we didn't mention, apparently Lindsey Buckingham was offered the chance to write a new theme song for this movie, and he declined. I love that about Lindsey Buckingham. He's, he's got a lot. He's got, who knows what's going on with him? Very talented, Lindsey yeah, Buckingham. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a prickly one as well. There, that's a good word to describe him. They literally... Kicked him out of Fleetwood Mac, which is amazing if you think about it. Yeah. Because he, when we saw him, that he was the driving force of Fleetwood Mac. He was. And that is not at all relevant 
to Christmas vacation. Josh, sometimes the audience wants to know about more about Fleetwood me Mac. and you. Little tidbits. Yeah. Yeah. You ever see Fleetwood Mac in uh in concert, Dave's no. hair is kind of like Lindsey Buckingham's. I mean, so John Turturro and Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I think honestly, watching this again this time, and the great opening, the animated opening credits, Fun. which are really well done. Yeah, I was thinking, why is this song not like a holiday classic that gets covered constantly? It's a really good song. I saw that like some Disney Channel star sang it on some disney channel special a few years back and that was the only really reference i could find to it other than this but it is a very good you could you know like the way uh um uh i just mentioned her what's what darlene love yeah darlene love used to come out on letterman and sing every year you could have seen like mavis staples come out and sing this uh annually as well yeah it's a good fun song yeah it's a good song it's catchy gets in your head I like it. I also like the opening sequence after it because we are used to them having a vacation. So seeing them on the road and going into the woods to get their own Christmas tree, I think is a nice kind of connecting bridge to what was and what will be in this film, uh, what was in the past. And uh, it's it's just fun. It's just fun. The whole movie's fun. Yeah, that's a fun sequence, almost like a stunt sequence is there. Clark, of course, who is unable to ever let anything go, uh, not willing to let the rednecks in the truck pass them by, and then they get stuck under the, the what is it, like a log-hauling yeah. semi-truck or something? It was like a Fast and Furious uh, sequence there for a minute. Well, you know, in the, as the original one, right, where they end up in, like, Detroit after, like, some crazy highway yeah. antics, it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a very funny sequence, and it's a good beginning, and... And it has that great, I think, the the thing you were talking about, Chevy Chase underplaying, and I think the movie underplays things, too, where they go through this absurd, harrowing car chase and then, like, launch off a snow embankment and land, and then he says, oh, well, we made good time, or right, something like right. that. And then, you know, they forget all the stuff to get the tree. So, right. But then we just see that they took the tree anyway. So yes. there's a lot of things like that. You yeah, know? there's some good editing rhythms there. I think one of the things with the direction, maybe, that, that I, I feel like, undermines the 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 underplaying or whatever is like there's there are moments where there's a joke i think in that scene where rusty says dad did you bring an axe and then there's like a like wacky like looney tunesy sound effect almost that that they throw in there like right. no we get it the funny stuff in that scene is where he says dad that tree is not going to fit in our yard and he goes it's not going in our yard yeah. it's going in our living room that is a great line yeah. yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie is, it's a funny movie. Like you, you laugh, I think throughout this movie, um, at some of that deadpan stuff, but also the broad comedy, cousin Eddie, um, the aunt and uncle who I love. Another thing I love about the Griswolds is they have all these relations that you're not really sure how they're related yeah, to them. They just show up and they're like, and they do a good job of like, uh, kind of you know, bending to the needs of the other characters as opposed to making those characters bend to the desires of the Gris the Griswolds. Yeah. But uh William Hit Hickey and uh what is her name? May Quetzal. I think yeah, I got it was it her wrong. last movie. Yeah, uh, she was the original voice of Betty Boop. Yeah, big, big career. And William Hickey was like 20 years her younger. In, yeah, well, uh, William Hickey is one of those guys who played old people, I think, for like 50 so years. So funny. Yeah. He's so funny and everything. I yeah. I remember my favorite William Hickey of all movies, I think is Forget Paris. I have not seen it with the uh, Billy Crystal movie. Yeah, where he just 
they're just driving down the street and like he looks out at every shop and just lists them like he's like so it'd be you know he's just like al's dry cleaner in paris johnny's subway shop you know and he just lists them all off my friend q said i'm turning into that character you are (laughs) there you go i mean there are worse things to turn into than william hickey i guess um but yeah, I mean, they give they give of all of those, especially that aunt and uncle, they give them their little moments to shine and be funny. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Cousin Eddie gets gets a lot of funny moments as well. Hey, I have a question for you. Yes. Have you ever blown your stack so much that you've called someone a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lipped, worm headed sack of monkey shit? I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> that, of course, what Clark calls his boss. Yes, when he doesn't get his bonus. Yeah. No, I've never done that. I mean, it's a big, it's a big moment. Yeah, for Chevy it's a Chase big moment. Character. Yeah, it's very funny. I mean, and I think that first of obviously that's another funny subplot, the idea of Clark having blown this Christmas bonus that he doesn't know whether he's actually gonna get so that he can put a pool in, which of course is a horrible idea. They live in Chicago. You don't put yeah, a pool. Yeah, you don't need to, you yeah. don't need to. But I felt like maybe that was the weakest little bit of the movie that subplot yeah i mean i think the resolution of it is a little weak because it builds and builds and they kidnap the guy eddie kidnaps the boss played by brian doyle murray who of course is another very funny comedic actor yeah and and, and one of four snl alumni in this film yeah also co-star of our classic episode cabin boy yes and he was in the original vacation movie as like clerk. Oh, right. Yes. So. Yes. But um, so, yeah, he's funny as the boss. And they set up the boss as such this like heartless guy who doesn't care about Clark. I love how he calls him Greaseball. At one point, <laughs> he keeps mispronouncing his name. Yeah. I like that. Uh, you know who was fun to watch, who I always thought was very funny on the Tracy Ullman show, Sam McMurray. Yeah. He, he was a good character actor. We, do, we don't really see much anymore. Yeah. And he doesn't. He's Clark's coworker here. He doesn't do a lot of funny stuff he just kind of delivers exposition but he is a very funny actor yeah um but i think the problem i had with that subplot is that it builds up the idea of the boss is so heartless and clark has put so much on the christmas bonus that he doesn't get and then we have this kidnapping and then the boss is just like oh you know what clark you're right I'm going to give everyone a Christmas bonus and I forgive you for kidnapping me and everything is great. Yeah. But you just said you liked how it undersold other parts of the film. So yeah, but I mean, I don't mean, I like how it undersells the jokes, but I don't want it to undersell. Like, I, I think one of like, th- if we're going to talk it's about like a serious theme, if this movie has a serious theme, it's all about that sort of desperation to live the ideal middle-class life that Clark has in his mind that of course is not something that is really achievable. And that whole plot builds on that idea that he works for this company that doesn't actually care about him. He's spending money that he doesn't have. And it, it just kind of cops out. On He's that in a perennial end. midlife crisis he throughout is. all of that. I mean, he needs therapy, Clark as well. Clark, yeah, he needs a lot of therapy. Yeah. The whole family probably needs some. But therapy. mostly him. Yeah. Mostly him. Yeah. Uh, what about the big crescendo there? What do you think of that? You know, they're they're outside and maybe they see Santa and maybe, you know, there's explosions in the sky and we're all singing the Star Spangled Banner because the old kooky ant starts singing it. What did you think of that? Yeah, that's that's fun. I mean, I feel like those those bits are are amusing. Um, it, it maybe doesn't sort of stick the landing in general, 
as much as it could have, not only with the boss subplot, but did you not like that scene? No, I, I liked it in the way that it's like a big John Hughes crescendo. So it works in that like fireworks, 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 literally and figuratively. Yeah. But I think like if you broke it down, you'd be like, what, what, what wait a second. How is this the ending of a film? So. Yeah, it does. It, it does just sort of end without um, any kind of button on it or whatever. Interestingly, both the movies we've picked uh, for Christmas, neither of them take place at all on Christmas. They both are Christmas Eve or, and that's it. Yeah. This movie ends on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And the ref all takes place on Christmas Eve. Right. So um, that is interesting. That is a good connection I've made for our fans. Yeah. Our numerous and listening right now the gift that you've given them on this uh, christmas i do work for them all right so <laughs> i just i was gonna say something and then you just what were you gonna say josh i don't know i was talking about how these christmas movies don't take place on christmas yes i recall we were talking about the ending and serious themes and whatnot yes yes we were it'll 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 come it'll come back to me eventually oh no it was i was gonna mention julia louis dreyfus and nicholas right. guest as the neighbors I think, you know, well, you said uh, as all the SNL alums in this movie, including Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, a relatively early role for her and the, the yuppie neighbors, they're pretty funny that they keep getting sort of the, the blowback from the disaster happening at the Griswold house. Um, and I, I do love the, the 1989 version of what do yuppies look like and what is, how is their house decorated and their precious stereo um, that gets damaged by the flying icicle uh, right i thought that was swat accidentally uh invades their house which is a very uh Hughesian build as well right right i like them as as the kind of a runner there that they don't and also you might expect this movie to escalate to some sort of war between clark and the neighbors and it never happens it's a very one-sided kind of dynamic where they just sit over there and seethe and he doesn't even pay any attention to them at all so i i i thought they were a nice little touch yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, fair enough. That was that was my point. Did you have other uh, thoughts? Anything else you particularly liked? No, I think we've covered it, man. I think you know the it's just a fun, uh, whimsical but somewhat believable. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> believable. I don't think is in the Griswold. Yeah, world, in the, the Griswold. So. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You know, I love. I like. I said we're going to talk about him next, but. Love John Hughes, and I think this captured the uh, the heart, which goes so much, goes a really long way, and that's yeah. what John Hughes, all of his best movies do. Yeah. Uh, what did What did Scarlett? What did your daughter like about it? Uh, she liked it. She she when uh, the next day we came back, we had watched some of it, and then the next day she's like, "Can we watch that thing with the family arguing over the Christmas stuff again?" So, <laughs> you know, which was a fair uh, assessment. Yeah, of it, that so. is an accurate characterization. Yeah. So out of uh, five, uh, what, Christmas lights, Christmas bulbs, malfunctioning Christmas bulbs? Sure, malfunctioning Christmas bulbs. Out of the 25,000 on the group. <laughs> yeah, out of 25,000 bulbs, what would you give That it? was probably, that's the most iconic sequence, I think, right? Where, you know, he well, keeps he, plugging Yeah, in and, and the, the, they don't know this, the switch. And it's a very, like, slamming doors, farcical kind of bit. Yeah, and, I'll give it three and a half. Yeah, I would agree with you, too. I think it's a very fun and entertaining movie and i do think it's the most enjoyable of the vacation films i don't know if i'm gonna go that far but i'll still stick with three and a half. all right good movie 
beloved Christmas film. And we'll come back and talk about the legacy of Christmas Vacation. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In the second of our two special holiday episodes, we're talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989, which will be the subject of our next season. And as far as the legacy goes, Jason has a lot to say about John Hughes. Well, yeah, but I mean, we have already started discussing the legacy and that this movie still plays in theaters uh, every holiday season, which is a big deal. Um, and John Hughes, man, uh, sometimes. You know, we look up lists of uh, when, like, when Rob Reiner had that great run, we looked up, like, I looked up his list. Dude, nobody had a better run than John Hughes in the 80s, you know? I think, I mean, and I'm saying you put John Hughes' 80s run against anyone in movie history at any point. Wow, okay. Mr. Mom, Vacation, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, She's having a baby, the great outdoors, Uncle Buck, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Like iconic films, a lot of them. And the ones that aren't were probably good. You know, they were hits anyway. Yeah, those certainly were all hits. I mean, he was a huge hit maker. And those are movies, some that he just wrote and some that he also directed. Right. But I think, as I was saying before, related to Jeremiah S. Cheschik, those movies, whether he directed them or not, are really all thought of as John Hughes movies. Right, and Home Alone, I'd say, you know, we talked about Chris, Chris, Chris Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. You know, and he's had a very successful directing career, but I think Home Alone is probably the peak of, like, just raking in that John Hughes money of, uh, of a Christmas movie and of something that caught... I mean, he was just... He was everywhere. For almost a decade, everything he did was almost gold, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, and I think this movie, although it does have some racy humor, it's less so than the earlier Vacation movies. And I think this is part of that shift where in the 80s, he was doing those teen comedies, especially that he's really known for, that were a bit edgier, some R-rated. And as he got into the 90s, and especially really kind of stopped directing and was just a writer and producer... He really shifted his focus to those family films. And I think this is part of the beginning of that. And once you get to Home Alone yeah, you're in and it. you're really into a lot of these kid focused movies that he did and that are not. I mean, Home Alone is. But I mean, didn't he do like Flubber? He did Curly Sue. Yeah. Flubber. He wrote he wrote uh, Beethoven under a pen name. Yeah. So, I mean, that had like four or five. He's just everything he touched like went went gold, you know, even if we're not like, hey, how about that classic franchise Beethoven? Like, dude, it's just a money-making machine, everything that he did. Yeah, those movies, those family movies made a lot of money, but I don't think they're nearly as well-regarded as the teen movies. No, I would agree. Do you have a favorite? I mean, Ferris Bueller is tough to beat. It's an amazing movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of those movies I haven't seen in a really long time, but um, I, I do like Ferris Bueller's Day Off quite a bit. Um, I, I think these vacation movies are... I mean, they're in a different mode, certainly, than those teen movies, but they're very enjoyable. Well, and I think that's what's so great about John Hughes is, like, you first think of him as Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, because he defined what a teen movie was. But he did all these other kind of, uh, like, you're saying, so he had almost three branches, right? He had, like, family comedies, and then he had, like, kind of adult family comedies, which would be, like, Plane, Trains, and Automobile, and the original vacation movie. And then this kind of meaty middle of the, the teen angst movies of the eighties, he really 
was unstoppable, man. Yeah, I mean, he's one. I think, you know, we talked in our last episode on The Ref about Ted Demi and how his career was cut short. Uh, but John Hughes, I mean, really, even though he had kind of stepped back from Hollywood a lot before he died, like, he could have had a lot left in him, man, I think. you really wonder, especially, like, with a Netflix or HBO, if they were just blank checking John Hughes, like, what he would have done. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I think it could have been great. And it's interesting on his Wikipedia page, there's this whole list of unrealized projects, I think a number of which at least had full scripts written. And I'm surprised people haven't gone into those vaults and tried to make those movies. I don't know if his family maybe is keeping that away, but I feel like that could be a great Netflix project. That would be awesome. When I was when I had like my one hot minute in Hollywood, uh, I was one of the projects they asked me if I had a take on was a remake of Mr. Mom. And it took so long for me to figure it out. But a year later, I figured it out the way to do it because it's an impossible movie to, in a way, remake because in the 80s, the idea of like, uh, or 1983, I'm going to give I'm a man and I'm going to give up my career and let the woman work and I'll just take care of the kids. Like you couldn't do that today and make it relevant. You know, they did do it. They did remake it. I know. And nobody cared. I know they should have let me do. They should have. My version was the opposite of that, which is. The man is kind of this deadbeat Seth Rogen type, you know, maybe he's an artist or, uh, you know, something like that, a professional podcaster like we are. Um, <laughs> professional? And, yeah. Well, we have nothing, uh, an ad or two. Uh, and then my idea was you do the reverse. You make the dad have to grow up and go out into the real world and become, you know, Mr. Mom of what the mom was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think John Hughes to see him work with Seth Rogen or Judd Apatow. I mean, that would have been some amazing stuff. He's the best. Those were always the best compliments. Like I said, when I was, you know, going around taking those meetings and they would say your script has a John Hughes style heart, uh, which uh, don't make a crass joke about the heart attack he had, Dave. Shame on you. But you know what I mean? That's, that's, I mean, he, he gained so much from having that, the heart shine through on all of his uh, uh, best movies. Yeah, yeah. John Hughes, enormously talented. And I feel like Chevy Chase, also really talented, squandered so much talent. But yeah. you watch this movie and you were reminded of how good he is and how much he wasted that over many years. And, I mean, is this just because he's a dick? I mean, I think that's a large part of it. And... I mean, and but but being a dick, the byproduct of that is like you were saying with Chris Nobody Columbus, people don't want to work yeah. with him. Talented people who could use him really well don't want to work with him or he's offered a part and he can't let his ego aside and listen to what somebody talented will tell him. And so he ruins it. Well, he had that renaissance uh, with community. Right. And then didn't that happen there too? Yeah, he was uh, on, I, he, I loved community and he was very good on it. And I think it just got to a point where it, it may be in part because he'd been semi obscure for a little bit. And suddenly he was critically acclaimed again, that he got back to the point where he's like, I'm Chevy chase and I know what's best. And then it clashed with the creators and he was out. out. Yeah. The two other legacy points are that, um, like you had mentioned the theme song that they had like this weird bootleg soundtrack or it wasn't even a bootleg. It was like a giveaway at six flags. Um, and it became like, um, they had made 25,000 or something and only given out 7,000. So there were all these, like, we have the, the soundtrack and there were all these fakes going around online. Uh, people liked the music of this one a lot. 
Yeah, I guess I didn't realize there'd be such a high demand, but as we established, I, I enjoy that theme song. I feel like maybe it's going to have a renaissance. Uh, I uh, hope you're right. And I like the fact that Griswold House still has a meaning in popular culture when you drive by a uh, very gaudy Christmas lit house. You can call it a Griswold House. And Does anybody actually do that? Dave does. <laughs> Just keep putting all this stuff on poor Dave. Well, we have to talk about the vacation series and where it went after this. I guess, do we? <laughs> I feel like that's that's a key point because this movie was, again, it was a success like the previous ones had been. And so they wanted to make more. Although it took quite a while. I think Vegas Vacation, 97. yeah, 97. In be- was it in between there or the Christmas Vacation 2? That was way more That was recent. later, yeah. yeah. Um, but I haven't seen that, but Vegas Vacation is just awful. And what about the remake, the new, or not the remake, the reboot? The reboot. Also yeah. terrible, I think. Yeah. Have you seen either of those? No, I don't really want to. That was yeah. another thing I was working on was, uh, it was like a found footage vacation movie like that, which I think would have been better than what they did. Yeah, I mean, the the remake just completely missed the mark in terms of what it's supposed to be about. Reboot. Or reboot. Yeah, again, Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo are in it, and the idea is Rusty, uh, played at this time by Ed Helms, is going to take his own family on vacation to Wally world and encounters a lot of further obstacles. And it's just, it's, it's the opposite. It's all the crassness without any of the heart, I Mm. think is, is it fails to do what John Hughes was able to do really well. The heart, you got the heart, you can get away with the crass. Yeah. But you got the crass, but not the heart. You don't get away with the crass. No, I know it was just a bunch of gross, uncomfortable jokes. And I, I really was not a fan. And Vegas vacation is just, and that's, I feel like, Chevy Chase at his most obnoxious in Vegas yeah. Vacation. And John Hughes, of course, n- did not work on either of those films, both of which came out after he died. Right. Uh, and it shows. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting when you get like a series of like um, really good movies and then they turn into like this series goes so far off the rails for so many installments. Like when George Lucas directed those three <laughs> Star Wars movies, that's... This is the Star Wars of vacation, uh, of the vacation genre, Josh, this series of films. Okay. Because if you think about it, the original vacation, that's Star Wars. Clearly, European vacation is Empire Strikes Back. This, this metaphor is really falling apart. Uh, it's, it wasn't good to begin with, no. but I committed to it. And you're just making it worse, much like they did with the vacation movies. <laughs> and it all comes full yeah. circle. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we think, could there be another vacation movie? Should there be? I think you got to start from the beginning again. And, you know, I think the idea of doing it with Rusty's family was a good idea. But like you said, they did it all wrong. So do do you do that or do you go back and do a new Clark Griswold for for the new generation, for the, the millennials? I guess. I mean, I feel like this is something that even though it it grew into this vehicle for Chevy Chase, it was something that was so grounded in John Hughes's own experiences yeah. to begin with that you can't replicate that. Yeah, well, you would need another writer who took a vacation. I mean, where can you find that person? I don't know. No. Uh, it's, I don't know. His would be, of all, like, all his movies would be tough to replicate. He's so singular. He's got such a clear voice with what he does, right? Like, I think 
almost any of his movies, if you were going to reboot them, would probably not work. Yeah, I mean, I think some of those later family movies, especially something like like Flubber, which itself was a reboot. I mean, you could certainly do that again. I'm not really counting that. No. I'm talking I'm, about the ones where you know, like, this right, is a John. Right, right. The iconic ones. And, and like you were saying, they attempted that with Mr. Mom recently, and nobody wanted to watch that. Right. And also, the, it was on Voodoo, the streaming service from Walmart. There you go. I mean, there's always talk about like a planes, trains, and automobile remake because that movie's so beloved, also. And really, you know, we're recording this right by Thanksgiving. That's probably the best Thanksgiving movie that there is. Yeah, there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, so he uh, he just owns it, bro. He he does not like Jeremiah Chechik. No, Jeremiah Chechik. We alluded to did not go on to a particularly distinguished career after this. Benny and June was popular when. Did, we have you seen that? Yeah, I remember that. That's uh, yeah, I did see it. But of course, we know that movie best for the uh, Proclaimers. Oh, and don't, I don't, would don't. walk 500 miles in. Oh, I, I wasn't going to sing, but it's just walk 500 no, more. No, no, no. no. That, that, is, that is that is that is Are they Scottish? I think they're Scottish. Miles to fall down at your floor. It's door, not floor. Door. Donkey. No, God. <laughs> Cut all that out, please, Dave. Leave it in, Dave, because uh, the Proclaimers. Yeah, I know you love the Proclaimers. I yeah, like Benny the and Jim, is, that the, is that the one also where Johnny Depp does the Buster Keaton bit with the dancing biscuits? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen it, but that is a movie that I think has, has a nice reputation. I think your sister likes that movie. She, she might. Her, we've talked about Brandy in two episodes now. Oh, yeah. yeah she, she's got decent taste in movies. Yeah, um, not like your mom. Let's get into that. What? <laughs> Come on, man. I love your mom, but you know her taste in movies the best. Yeah, maybe. Um, I also love my mom. <laughs> Dale, we love you. Back we know you listen. Don't take that insulting. I just think you like every movie is all I was saying. Kid, like, uh, can we talk more about Jeremiah Chechik? <laughs> yeah. Don't be offended, Dale. You know I love you. Jeremiah Chechik. Yeah. Directed The Avengers, starring Sean Connery and Ray Fiennes, yeah, not, one of the worst movies of all time. Right, not The Avengers we know. No, no, the remake of the 1960s TV series. Who was the female lead in that? Uma Thurman. Oh. Yeah, and Sean Connery in a giant teddy bear suit, I think, is in that movie. I never saw it. I did, somehow, for some reason, and I, it's bad. But Sean Connery. Don't. No, stop. He's Scottish. No, 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 no. Also, he directed a lot of TV, and uh, yeah, you. I, I guess I just was thinking this could have been a, a launching pad for somebody, especially because it's loved and it was successful, but it really wasn't. But like you said, it, and it did well, and it made was number one, and blah 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 blah. But it's become more beloved over time. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So uh, my other legacy note was about Randy Quaid going insane, but I don't know if we really yeah. need to talk about that. Maybe he almost became cousin Eddie in real life. He did. Well, who's more insane, Cousin Eddie or Randy Quaid? I feel like Randy Quaid kind of o- overshadowed Cousin Eddie there for a He got that giant beard, and didn't he run away to like hide out in the wilderness or something? Yeah, he thinks like the government's tracking him. Yeah. And his wife both, both are, yeah, trying to get off the grid, but posting videos on YouTube. Right, yeah, it was a, it was a sad situation there. But uh, maybe Cousin Eddie drew more on his uh, real personality than we ever realized. He channeled himself. He did just like maybe or, or maybe he just got too into too method and, and he became, never became yeah. like left the cousin Eddie persona. It's tough when you act, you know, to, to leave those characters 
like cousin Eddie behind. Yeah, <laughs> such such iconic pieces. Um, Eddie, do you think you show this to your daughter in full eventually? Yeah, maybe even this year. Yeah. So you know, we she look- can handle a little side boob, right? I, I mean, that's up to you as a parent. Oh, I should make that decision then. Yeah. There's like a middle finger. Tweet at us and uh, let us know. Yeah. yeah. Make Jason's parenting decisions for him. Well, because he has, you know, the Christy Brinkley throwback fantasy. Right. Yeah. That is clerk. one of the elements. I think actually that's kind of a little out of place stale in this movie. Yeah. I agree. That yeah. whole sequence of him like dreaming about the pool wasn't the best. No, no. It was definitely a self-conscious trying to like recreate something from the, the original movie. With Nicolette Scorsese is the actress there. Is she a Scorsese? She is not. Oh. Yeah. So I think that's a, a wrap on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And our holiday bonus episodes. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Sure, that too. Joyous Kwanzaa. All of it. Any other ones? Solstice. Is there a solstice in there somewhere? Probably. Winter solstice. Yeah. Enjoy that too. It's a Festivus for the rest of us. That too. Yeah, Festivus. Got to get that in there. So many holidays. Too bad there's no Festivus movie. Yeah, I don't think that would ever work, Josh. No, it We wouldn't. have the perfect Festivus piece of art. We do. We yeah. do indeed. So uh, give us a holiday present by following us on social media. And if you like us, give us five stars and I'll sing more for you. Uh, <laughs> we are at awesomemovieyear.com, awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, and awesomemoviepod on Twitter. I'm at Jason Harris comedy or J Harris comedy on literally Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and go for Jason.com is my website, which update still needs an update. <laughs> I am at Josh bell hates everything.com where you can read my whole Christmas in July series on this and other Christmas movies. Uh, Josh bell hates everything on Facebook and signal bleed on twitter and listen to our producer david rosen's awesome podcast piecing it together you can find us wherever you listen to this podcast you can also find us on social media at piecing pod and we'd love it if you join the popcorn and puzzle pieces facebook group where we talk about all these movies and continue the conversation hey before we go what is your favorite christmas movie really fast you gotta name one my personal i don't know a christmas story maybe i mean that's an obvious answer but that's the one that pops in my head right away dave I'm trying a complete blank, you guys. Yeah, there's not a lot of Christmas movies. No, they're very, they're very few. Uh, Bad Santa? Bad Santa is good, yeah. Uh, I do love, as I think we mentioned earlier, I do love the Christmas horror movies. So uh, Christmas Evil is a big one for me I like a lot. I'd probably go with Elf, most likely. Yeah. Elf's a classic. Yeah. Good stuff. There you go. So Lots of Christmas movies that we can potentially talk about in the future. But next, we're going to be talking about all the films, every single one of <laughs> 1989. Or at least everyone that fits the format and we chose to do. <laughs> yeah, because that's how our show goes. Should we say what episode one is going to be? Yeah, we're going to talk about the box office champ of 1989. Uh, probably a movie and a character you've never heard of. Batman. A man who is a bat? What? Yeah, played by Mr. Mom, Michael Keaton. <laughs> wow. Nice how that works together. So tune in next time for 1989's Batman, directed by Tim Burton. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.